All right, man. Well, let's get into this word today. But before we do, let me take just a moment and honor uh, your great pastors and great uh, leaders, uh, Pastor Brandon Doss and Pastor Brandon Matthews and their wives and their families. Uh, just thank God for the relationship and the friendship, uh, knowing these guys for about 10 years or so. And just been a blessing to serve together and impact the community for Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, it's good to have good friends and people that you can depend on. And like you said, be that safe place. So I just thank God for you, brother. Thank God for your friendship. Um, and I thank God for this church and what you guys are mean to Alabaster and, and to the uh, Columbiana and to this region. What you guys are doing is no short of amazing. Amen. We know it's all God. Amen. Uh, so I want to get into this word today. I want to invite your attention to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to talk to you today about a winning faith, a winning faith. Hebrews chapter 12. And here's what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this time together. God, we thank you for your consistency. Most importantly, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We say, Lord, have your way today. Lord, let this word um, have free course in our lives. And we give you the, all, all the honor, the glory, and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. A winning faith. Some, there are some things that we have to, in order to have a winning faith, there are some things that we have to lay aside. God wants to reveal himself uh, in our lives as it relates to the race of faith. All of us as believers are in a race called life. And the way that we run that, this race successfully is we run it living by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 11 and 1 says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6 would go on to say, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he who comes to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek after him. God reveals himself through scripture as the author and as the finisher of our faith, our belief, our conviction, that belief that doesn't rest on logical proof or evidence. You know, my mom makes great Kool-Aid and, and, and mama would make the kind of Kool-Aid give you diabetes. <laughs> When you drunk it and uh, it's some ingredients that go into that to make good Kool-Aid you know you need the sugar you need the pack you need the water but having the sugar the pack and the water means nothing if you don't mix it all together and stir it up and that's what has happened with our faith he says faith is the substance of things hoped for right the evidence of things that we have to stir it up and so sometimes the, the trials of life, the things that we go through, God uses that to stir our faith and to get our faith going. It's in that that we begin to see, we begin to get a better revelation of who it is that God is in our lives. 
We find out that he not only is the author and the finisher of our faith, we find out that God never starts a thing that he's incapable of finishing. We find out that God never does anything partially or fractionally. God always starts with the intention to finish. Finishing isn't just what God does, but a finisher is who God is. When God created the world, he didn't just start the world and not finish it. He didn't, he didn't quit until he saw that it was good. In fact, he said it was very good in Genesis 1 verse 6. When he worked the miracle uh, for Moses and the children of Israel at the Red Sea, he didn't stop just at the Red Sea, but he got them through the sea. He parted the sea because he's a finisher. When, he, when Jesus turned water into wine, uh, he didn't stop with watery wine, but he finished because God is a finisher. It is this revelation, friends, of Jesus that we should change, uh, that should help change the way we approach seasons of difficulty and seasons of delay. Those tough times in our lives that all of us go through. We've all been through something or are going through something or will go through something tough in our lives that makes us want to quit in this race called life. Facing, facing uh, a diagnosis uh, that I would be blind uh, uh, at the Callahan Eye Foundation five years ago, I, I was struggling in my race of faith. But I had to remember that God's promise is true, that God will cause all things, according to Romans 8, 28, to work together for our good. And God kept me through that. And I'm here as a living testimony uh, to say that he brought me through that and my vision is better today. God is a finisher. If we approach this revelation of Jesus, it will help us to manage seasons of difficulty and seasons of delay and seasons of discouragement. It will help us not to panic or be filled with anxiety or, or want to quit because we understand that the same God that helped me to start is the same God that will help me to finish. He is a finisher. If God helped you start the business, he will help you run the business. If he blessed you to have the child, he will help you raise your child. If he blessed you, your mind on one level, he will take you to the next level because God is a finisher. The same Jesus that started us in this year is the same Jesus that's going to see us through the rest of the year. Matter of fact, if I could get you guys to join in with a little bit of faith this morning and just declare over yourself the rest of the year, the will, be the best of the year. will be the best of the year. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we got to start talking like that. We got to put some faith on it. I think that sometimes life just deals us such blows that, that, that we get afraid to talk like that. We get afraid to talk with some courage and some faith. But I believe when you know that God uh, is who he says that he is, listen, he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. He's an on time God. This is critical because finishing anything uh, uh, begins with preparation. Simply put, preparation precedes blessings. We don't get out of life what we hope for. We get out of life what we prepare for. Heaven, in fact, is a prepared place for prepared people. Preparation is key. If you're going to finish anything, then you must prepare to finish. 
The big question today is that, is that, is God a finisher? The big question isn't, is God a finisher or will he finish what he has started, but rather do we have a finishing type faith? In Hebrews chapter 12, the apostle Paul, he warns Timothy. He says, he says the kind of attachment that could cause you defeat in your spiritual race is the affairs of life. When life happens and how we respond to it and, and, and if we allow the negativity of life to cause us to get outside of the will of God, he says, Timothy, you got to watch out for the affairs of life. He says that in 2 Timothy 2 and 4. He urged Timothy not to let anything slow him down or distract him from the cause of his Lord and master. You see, if the enemy, the enemy can't ruin your salvation. So what he does is he tries to wreck your faith. You can't take your salvation. The Bible says in John 10, verse 28, it says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. This is what Jesus says. He promises nobody can take us out of Jesus's hands. Right. And so the enemy can't ruin our faith, but he tries to uh, ruin our salvation. But he tries to wreck our faith. First Timothy one, verse 18. Paul says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, my child, I entrust you with this command in keeping the previous prophecies about you so that by them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, thereby shipwreck their faith. Today, there are four things that I want to give you to have a winning faith. Number one, and they're all in the text. Number one, we must consider those who ran in faith and won. We must consider those who ran in faith and won. It's right there in verse one. The Bible says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, right? The great cloud of witnesses. This assembly of mass of witnesses was introduced to us in Hebrews 11. They are the heroes of faith. These are the folks, the men and women uh, who are not suggested to be watching us as much as they are witnesses to us. They are they, they are they're not witnessing what we are doing. Rather, they are bearing witness to us that God can see us through no matter what we face in life. God bore witness through them and they are bearing witness to us now. An example of this, as I began to study this message and prepare uh, for today, uh, is David and Goliath. I love David and Goliath because even David's father counted him out. His brothers were counting him out. And Goliath was laughing in his face and counting him out. He didn't think that David could beat him. And sometimes we're facing an uphill battle where, where, where it doesn't seem like anybody believes in us or, or anyone standing with us. But David shows us how to get through, how to win in those types of, of tough situations. David has a strategy of recalling past victories recalling past victories. Every now and again, when you're faced with an uphill challenge, when you're faced with your own personal Goliath, you've got to be able to recall past victories. Sometimes you just got to remind yourself of what God did in your life before. And nothing helps fire up our faith like hearing a testimony or seeing uh, or reminding ourselves of a past victory. Here's what David said in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34. He says, I fought a lion and I fought a bear. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dared defy the armies of God? He says, man, you don't know who I am. Yeah. 
He says, my track record with God is pretty good. God, I've been in some situations that God has gotten me out of before. And so here's the revelation. The same God that gave me victory before is the same God that's going to give me victory right now. Come on. We have confidence. If God did it before, he can do it again. Not only must we consider those who ran and won before us, but then number two, we must strip off those things that hold us back. It's right there in verse 1, clause B. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You know, athletes uh, used to wear uh, training weights to help them prepare for events. These, no athlete would actually participate in the event wearing the weights that they used to train with. They realized that the weights were used for training purposes only. But in the event... They knew if they wore weight, it would slow them down. The modern analogy of this is a baseball player who swings a bat with a heavy metal collar on it before he steps to the plate. You see, too much weight would tax one's endurance. Too much weight. And I want, I want us to ask ourselves today, what are the weights that, should, that we should remove that we might win the race? Those things in our life that hinder our progress, that might even be good things in the eyes of others. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, it says, you say I am allowed to do anything, <laughs> but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. You see, a winning athlete, fam, uh, does not choose between the good and the bad. He chooses between the better and the best. Yeah, yeah. We must become spiritual weight watchers. <laughs> weight is agos in the Greek, which means bulk or mass or heavy bending weight. It means uh, a heavy load. And when speaking of weight, I want you to understand that we are not talking about, uh, we're talking about rather what's acceptable but not profitable. In 1 Corinthians 10, uh, things are okay because I'm grown. I can do it because I'm of age. Do what I want to do. I'm grown. But, but the question I have to ask myself, is this building me up? Is, is, is this growing me? Is this pushing me uh, toward purpose? Is this helping me to be the person that God has called me to be? Is it beneficial? And if it's not beneficial, I need to strip off the weight. And I believe that God wants us to strip off those things that are easily tripping us up, those things that are negative, those things that cause us to compare our race with others, comparing our marriage with somebody else's marriage. Instead of working on our marriage and building up our marriage, we're comparing our marriage to our neighbor's marriage. And we don't know what they went through to get the type of marriage that they have or what they're going through or if they just posing for social media. We don't know. See, comparison is a trap of the enemy to bring discouragement in our lives to get us to quit in the race of life. What do we need to strip off? Not only does Paul say strip off the weight that slows us down, but also the sin that easily trips us up. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, the Bible says people who conceal their sin will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. First John 1 and 9, the Bible says if we confess our sin, God is faithful. He's just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? We serve a faithful God. God's not sitting up in heaven trying to condemn us or throw us down. 
No, no, God wants to forgive us, wants to bless us, wants to see us in our purpose, wants to see us live our life for him by faith. The flesh, we must understand our flesh is what wants control. It's, it's the flesh that wants charge of our life. Song of Solomon 2.15, the Bible says, it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. Literally, the little things that mess us up. Sin is a slow drift. It, it, we, 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 it's like being at the beach, you know, you, you, you drift out to sea and you look back and you're, you're so much further than where you started. And that's how Satan works in our lives. The enemy wants us to drift away from our faith in Christ. But what God wants is for us to become faithful in little things, right? He didn't say you got to be perfect. He didn't say you got to get everything right, dot every I and cross every T and, and be perfect in your faith. He says, I, I want you to grow. I want you to be faithful in small things because if you're faithful in small things, you can be faithful in much. Luke 16, 10. Small discipline. Small discipline. For me, it was getting on track with flossing my teeth. <laughs> so that my dentist don't strangle me. <laughs> Lost those teeth every time I go in there, you know. A little discipline. So little things, right? Little things become big over time. What are those things that either are chipping away at you or those things that you could be doing to grow and be better? We must take authority over the flesh. We must take authority over the flesh and invest in our spiritual growth and development if we're going to conquer the flesh. In Matthew 26 and 41, Jesus says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This flesh is weak, y'all. It's weak. And that's why we need the spirit of God. We lean on him. We depend on him. Galatians 5, 16 says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, the spirit and the flesh are at war. Our two natures within us are at war with each other, right? The Bible says so that we don't do what we want to do. And here's the rule. Whatever, whichever nature that we feed the most uh, will starve, all right? Uh, whichever nature that we feed the most, rather, will grow. And whichever nature we starve will die. So whatever I feed flourishes. Whatever I starve dies. Stripping off the weight requires discipline. It was Craig Rochelle that said discipline is the bridge from where you are to where you want to be. Small disciplines lead to bigger things. We got to get started in small disciplines. See, see, stop trying to do all the big stuff. <laughs> I'm going to run five miles a day. <laughs> Better start with 10 or 20 minutes on that treadmill <laughs> and build your way up. Amen. <laughs> discipline, if you're taking notes, discipline isn't one in a day. Discipline is one through my daily routine. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing daily? What are you doing on a daily basis to grow closer with the Lord, to be more disciplined in your walk? Right. It was Felipe Massa of Brazil who should have won the Formula One Grand Prix race in Singapore in September of 2008. But as he drove off from the refueling stop while in the lead, the fuel hose was still attached to the race car. By this time, his team, by the time his team removed the hose, it was too late. The man who was once in first finished 13th. What do you need to strip off? What are you carrying that's trying to carry you down? That God says, strip that thing off. When I thought about that, I thought I was getting in a little bit of trouble, but I thought about an old rapper by the name of T-Pain. 
And T-Pain had a song years ago called, I'm in love with a stripper. <laughs> and I believe T-Pain had a little prophetic on him there because God loves a stripper. He's right there in the text. The Bible says we must strip off every weight and, come on, sin that so easily entangles us. Right? You see, see, we owe no allegiance to the flesh, but we owe everything to God. We were bought with a price, right? We see this in 1 Corinthians 6. We were bought by him. It is through his grace that we are saved, and we owe it all to him. So, so therefore, we shouldn't make excuses about our past, why, why our upbringing was this way, and it's because mama didn't do this, or daddy didn't do that. Don't accept weakness. Don't excuse away your power to change. Through Jesus Christ, we have grace to grow. Amen? It was Perry Noble that said it this way. He said, if you don't let your past die, your past won't let you live. We understand uh, that Psalms 37 and 23, it says, A good man's steps are ordered by the Lord, and though he fall, the Lord will uphold him with his right hand. That if you fall, get up and run on in Jesus' name. That's what we've got to remember in the race of life, that sometimes we're going to have some, some hiccups and some mess-ups, but get back up and run on. Isn't that what Forrest's friend told, her, told him in the movie, Forrest Gump? Run, Forrest, run. Yeah, Forrest was about to get beat up, and Forrest's past was behind him. And in order to get beyond his past, he had to run on to his future. And somewhere along the way, Forrest kicked on those afterburners and he ran on. And the thing that once was in assisting him, he ran out of those braces. And I believe today that there's some things God wants us to run out of, wants us to grow out of, and he's given us the grace to do it. I believe God is saying, run, Forrest, run, run. But number three, uh, we must run our race with patience. We must run our race with patience. It's right there in verse 1, clause C. It says, let us run uh, with endurance the race God has set before us. You see, we run with patience and endurance. This means having the ability to wait or hold on when I'm going through a difficult time. When, 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 I, when I feel all hope is gone, when I feel hopeless, when I feel like giving up or throwing in the towel, uh, when it seems the easiest thing to do is to quit. I press on, I, I praise harder, I pray on until I get the victory. We got to keep on running. You see, Satan's weapon against your winning and having a winning faith is impatience, a lack of patience, no tolerance, irritable, annoyed with waiting or with anything that impedes or delays. What God wants us to understand is that delay works for our development. Yeah, he's working something in us. Right. And so 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 what should we do while we're waiting? It's so easy to get frustrated in the waiting process. I believe we should worship while we wait. That what Job said. Job said, I'm going to wait until my change comes. Shaved his head and, and bowed down, put his face to the ground and he worshiped. Right. Job lost his house, lost his family, lost a lot of things. But Job never lost his praise. Yeah, we wait while we worship. We got to understand delay is working for our development. It's working for our development. But then fourth and finally, fourth and finally, we must finish uh, with strong focus on Jesus Christ. Finish with strong focus on Jesus Christ. 
Look at verse 2. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Isn't that good news? (laughs) Seated in the place of honor because he stayed the course. He, He stayed in the race. Things weren't always easy, but he stayed in the race. The Bible tells us here in Hebrews 12 that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And and the greatest uh, in this cloud is Jesus. He is the head of all of these great faith heroes because Jesus is the author and finisher of faith. And if there's anyone we should look at, it's Jesus Christ. He ran and he won. He ran and he won. Simply because no matter how hard it was, even when Jesus was saying, Father, uh, 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 why have you forsaken me? When he felt rejected by his own father, the one he was doing it all for, Jesus kept on running. I want to tell you that we've got to keep on running. I know things may get tough sometimes. Things may get rough sometimes, but keep on running. You got somewhere to be. You got a destination to reach. God is not through blessing you. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 30, verse 15, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. Amen. Don't get distracted. Look at Jesus. You see, distraction has one assignment, and its assignment is to keep you from your assignment. It was said that distraction is the destruction of your dream in slow motion. Distraction works. Satan works in order to take your attention off what you should be doing to consume you with what you shouldn't. Apostle Paul shows us what we should do in Philippians 3.13. He says, this one thing I do, I'm forgetting what's behind me. (laughs) He says, but I reach toward that which is ahead. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Remember, you got to let your past die so that you can live. You are running for the eternal glory of serving Jesus. Your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. (laughs) Your God is too good (laughs) to waste your life on things that won't last. (laughs) Looking to Jesus while you're running life's race gives us the strength and the encouragement to overcome every obstacle the enemy sends in our direction. Amen. Our Lord endured far more than did any of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. He endured the cross. This involved shame, suffering. Uh, This involved the contradiction, uh, the opposition of sinners, and even the temporary rejection of the Father. It was on the cross, y'all, that he suffered for all of the sins of the world. Yet he endured and he finished the work of the Father that God gave him to do. What helped him stay focused and what helped him to endure was his purpose and his passion at the cross. Oh, him would say at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. We can remain focused. We can remain focused. And know that God never starts something that he's incapable of finishing. God is a finisher. And he started us in in this race called life, this race of faith. That's why Paul says in Philippians 1, he says, and I am certain. Paul said, I ain't guessing on this. (laughs) I'm pretty confident about this. He says, I'm certain 
He who began a good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. God is a finisher. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you, God, that you are a finisher. Thank you that you finish strong so we can finish strong. We praise you and thank you that it's in you that we live. It's in you that we move. It's in you that we have our being. Thank you, God, that you never leave us and you never forsake us. It is through your son, Jesus Christ, that we have victory. So whatever we're facing today, we are confident that you've started a work and we're confident that you're going to finish it. We know that all things, even in this, is working together for our good. So, Lord, give us grace to finish and to finish strong. We thank you. We love you. Now, God, today there's somebody here that may have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want you to know tonight the Scripture teaches us that we are made right with Jesus, not by our own works, not by our religious acts, not by trying to be perfect, but we are made right with Jesus Christ by grace through faith. Ephesians 2 and 8 and 9 says it's not of works that we should boast, but it's grace through faith. Through Jesus Christ, the one who shed his blood on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And the Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter what your mistakes are. Doesn't matter how dark your life may be right now. There's grace to get back up again. If you call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. And if that's you today, would you just repeat after me in this prayer? Father, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can follow you. Empower me to do your will, God. Show your love and fulfill your purpose for my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.